0: All I can do is put my part out into the world. It doesn't have to be perfect the first time. It doesn't have to be perfect ever, really. I mean, as long as you're
1: enjoying doing it and you're trying your best, that can be good enough. Art is something that you can experience with your senses and that you just experience as, as so beautiful.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Artfully Told. I'm Lindsay, and I am so excited to have as my guest today, David Weinrob. And thank you so much, David, for joining me. I'm so delighted to speak with you today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to participate.
0: Absolutely. Well, I would love if you would start by sharing just a little bit about who you are and, and maybe sure. some of your involvement in art.
1: Sure. Well, my name is David. I am a child of the 70s and grew up playing music. That turned into a love of rock and theater as I continued to grow. And after college, I began pursuing a career as an actor and did that, able to pay my bills for a few years and then found a part-time job that turned into a full-time job in an office that I really enjoyed and realized I can still continue to do art no matter what. I could still play music. I could still act, but I could also didn't have to pursue it as my full-time gig and continued to act. I met my wife. We were the only two people with day jobs on a -a six-night-a-week dinner theater show, and we dated, got married a few years later, had a kid, and then I kind of dropped out of the art world for a while. Um, I stopped performing. When our son was born, and I didn't get back to it until about three years ago, and I've been going nonstop ever since. And I love it, and I love that I can share with my family. I love that I can share it with uh, the world, and I'm just having a great time continuing to make music and, and perform. So that's me and a Reader's Wonderful. Digest nutshell.
0: Perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know that there are many, many layers to your stories, of course, mm-hmm. but... That's great. I'm so glad you're back into it. And I love that you met your wife through that. That is wonderful.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, we would be, it was a dinner theater. So, you know, you you get a paycheck just for performing, but you make more money by waiting tables. And we had day jobs and weren't able to get down to the theater in time for the dinner service before the show. So we would hang out backstage. It would just be the two of us. And that's how we really bonded and fell in love. So the theater has been great for us in many, many ways. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. That is mm-hmm. awesome. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe some stories of, of times where art has impacted you, or even hear a little bit about, you know, the various projects that you're embarking on now.
1: Sure. Well, I guess my love of theater started in college. I was a Shakespeare fiend. I was an English major and I loved reading Shakespeare and analyzing Shakespeare and talking about it. And then my senior year, they were going to be doing Henry Fourth, parts one and two in their entirety in the spring. And I decided in the fall, well, since they're doing it in the spring, I should audition so they think I'm interested. And then I can be a spear carrier a soldier. And so I could just say I acted in one Shakespeare play. And I auditioned in the fall for a show called The Prince of Hamburg, which is a 16th century German piece, very similar to the themes of Henry IV. So a young upstart prince doesn't really know how to become a leader and goofs off a lot, but then becomes a leader in his own right. And I I got cast in a pretty good role, and I loved it. And then From that point forward, all of my focus turned toward theater. I was able to complete a theater minor in an entire year before graduation. And then right after college, I just kept going with it. So it started with the love of Shakespeare. I worked for the Annapolis Shakespeare. I think it's under new management now, but the Annapolis Shakespeare Company after college. I did some modern dramas in black box theaters in downtown D.C., which no longer exist. And then I was auditioning a lot in New York while performing in DC and then fell into the dinner theater route because I realized if I wanted to make money, I couldn't just do Shakespeare or weird modern dramas. The money was in musicals. And I played in bands in high school and college as well. So I, I sang a little bit, but I started taking voice lessons and Um, I got cast in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar as pilot in the the giant theater in Frederick, Maryland. And then I, I just kept doing musicals for a while. And then I met Catherine and we got married. We worked together on four shows in dinner theater and then did a few more after we got married in community theater in the Northern Virginia area. And then our son was born and that was amazing. But we dropped out of performing in theater and started attending theater. We became uh, Shakespeare Theater subscribers and Kennedy Center subscribers, and that was just amazing as well, just to be able to enjoy something from the other side, which when you're performing six nights a week, you don't have as much time to see. I thought I still needed some sort of creative outlet when he was little, and then a friend of mine who I worked with who was in a band asked me if I wanted to join his band, and the good thing about playing music, you can kind of take gigs when they become available to you, but also, you can rehearse when it works for the whole band. All of us had day jobs. We were just—we called ourselves a bunch of old dudes who just got together and played when we could. And we were getting more gigs, playing bars and stuff than we were able to take because people travel for their regular job work. And the children's calendars—you know—we had sports for our kids and stuff like that. And uh, we just played when we could. The band was called the Black Shag Sherpas, and I think they still have a website. I'm not sure if there are any original members left in that band or if they're still playing, but they played some great, funky, weird rock-jazz hybrid music along with some covers. So that was fun. So I, I never stepped away fun. from art or yeah. music. I, I just found another outlet. And then how I got back into Perfect. it, the dinner theater where Catherine and I had met closed down. And they had a reunion picnic. So people who had worked there from the time it opened in the (laughs) mid-70s till the time it shut down in 2016, everyone was invited. And I started talking to friends from the theater who I had not seen in 13 years. And I was telling them about playing in bands. And they said, oh, you play in bands? Do you think you could get a band together to play the Rocky Horror Show? And I said, I think I can. And that is how I got pulled into music directing the Rocky Horror Show for the Workhouse Arts Theater in Lorton. And that's what started my journey into theater nonstop once again, began with the Rocky Horror Show in 2016.
0: Wow. That mm-hmm. is a really interesting trajectory. I mean, you mm-hmm. you have dabbled in all... Well, not dabbled. You're a professional. I don't mean it like that. But... <laughs> You have gotten to experience so many different outlets for your art. And I I love the fact that even if you couldn't do what you had originally started doing throughout your entire career, you've actually helped yourself grow as an artist. Would you say that, That, you know, because you've been able to do so many different things?
1: Definitely. I mean, just sitting back as, as an active participant, as an observer you learn so much from watching others. And and not not that I would ever think, oh, I can do that better than so-and-so because I never thought that. But you you can enjoy what they are doing and and you can learn from the things you are seeing.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, do you have any specific things that come to mind as inspiration for maybe a new direction that you took or just an encounter with Mm -hmm. art that may have really impacted you and helped you on this trajectory?
1: One of the more recent things I worked on with one of your previous guests was a production of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson for Dominion Stage, which is a very difficult piece. Andrew Jackson is a very divisive figure, uh, especially nowadays. He he was a horrible, horrible man who grew the size of the United States uh, quintuplefold from what it was by doing awful, awful things, which were admired at the time. By many. His story was turned into a rock musical before Hamilton, and it ran on Broadway very briefly. It was not well received. But working with Danny Guy as the director, when she asked me to be involved, I, I wanted to because I love the music. It is just dirty rock and roll, which I love. But also the band gets to be on stage and interact with the, the other performers, so that's always fun. I was able to put together, I call them the best band in the world because they are, and we all listen to one another when we play and we listen to what's going on on stage. So if you show up night one, it might sound a little different than night two if someone plays something or acts in a slightly different way, we're going to react to it. The band are actors too. But working with this collaborative group of people, we made something really, really special and very poignant. And, you know, it, it sucks that there is no venue for live theater right now, nor should there be till it is safe mm-hmm. to return to it. But to, to go out on a note like that was, you know, at the end of February was not a bad thing to go out on and to have in my recent yeah. memory.
0: Yeah. So Danny did share a little bit about uh, her experience with that too. And it sounds like it was just an incredible experience for everyone involved and brought out a lot of conversation about art. I mean, did, what were the reactions that you kind of encountered personally? Was it sure. positive or negative?
1: Mm-hmm. All positive in terms of this is a powerful piece. No one thought that we were doing anything wrong who I spoke to. You know, we were pointing out through beauty, we were able to point out the, some of the horrible things that have happened and are continuing to happen in this world. You know, through the power of performance, through the power of rock and roll, and dance and and movement. I'm struggling to define what it was because it is such a strange piece, but it was so beautiful the way it it all came together. Does that make yeah. any sense?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she shared about getting some mixed reactions and and how she as the director wanted to help everyone kind of navigate through some criticism that you know all art gets i mean we all have dealt with mm-hmm. that yeah. <laughs> at some point point. and her outlook was so so amazing to me because she just I, I love her approach of using people's criticism to really think through a different perspective and i think that's a really wonderful thing that she brought to that production in particular mm-hmm. So I know it's kind of, we're kind of in a weird place right now, but Mm -hmm. do you have anything coming up that you're excited about or how, how are you still able to kind of express yourself and and be artful in these crazy days? (laughs) Well,
1: Well, the amazing thing about artists is they always find a way to create regardless of the circumstances. And I have many friends who have created um, online venues for us to do so. I've worked with a Landless Theater Company as an actor. I did a production of Puffs with them last year, which is a, a Harry Potter spoof. And they are going to be releasing very soon some virtual performances. We recorded one called The Walking Fred which is a spoof of the walking dead as told through the prism of the Flintstones. So we recorded it via zoom and they're putting you know, special effects on it to make it look like we're, we all have the same backgrounds and that sort of thing. So hopefully that will be coming out soon. So that was a nice outlet to be able to act. And then I yeah. have a friend who is an amazing actor singer and he's also, he's, hosts a number of drag brunches and drag bingos as Lips. And Lips has a new show, which is a a virtual drag uh, talent show. And he asked me to work on um, some songs for it. So I was able to write some songs. And I'm a dirty rock and roll player. I like playing live with groups of people. You know, I will play one instrument at a time with, with groups of people. But by doing it this way and him asking me to write something, I had to learn how to use GarageBand. I was able to record myself, you know, multi-track it. So I'm playing all the instruments for, for this piece. So that should be out soon as well. So Lips Virtual Drag Cabaret. So I'm, I'm finding things to keep me busy. I'm taking advantage of all the art that others are creating as well. And now that I have more time in the evenings, I'm mm-hmm. watching it all. You know, there are so many yeah. people putting out and doing Zoom play readings. I, I was able to work with Danny again, and this was just for fun. I don't believe it was recorded, but a a stage reading of the Duchess of Malfi, which is an amazing uh, Jacobian, very dark drama. I don't think it was meant to be a comedy, but it kind of turned into one, looking at it through 21st century prism. But we had a lot of fun just reading that. So there there are always outlets to to do things.
0: Yeah. Now, you mentioned writing songs. Was that something you had done before, or is that a little bit
1: newer to you? I have written songs for rock bands before, but I'd never recorded in a studio with engineers hanging around and stuff. But I never pursued it as something that I wanted to get out there and publish. The Black Shag Sherpas, which I mentioned before, we put out a a four-song EP, which you could probably find online. But ever since then, since I got back into theater, I really haven't done any writing. So this was a a nice outlet to do it once again. So this was just a fun, goofy, 1970s disco rock, I was told to think of superheroes. So I was thinking of, you know, a combination of the Wonder Woman theme and, you know, 70s uh, disco era Rolling Stones. And I put that together in my head to come up with uh, with a theme song for them.
0: Oh, neat. Well, that mm-hmm. sounds incredible. I'm sure that's going to be great. Yeah, that's really neat. So I'm just curious, how has, or if if it hasn't, that's fine too, but I guess more accurately, has becoming a father changed the way that you view art or create art?
1: Definitely. I'm always looking at things through, through my son's eyes now. Is this something I think he would appreciate? Not that it always, I don't expect a, a, he's now 16 years old, so I don't expect him to like everything I like, and he wouldn't be a cool teenager if he did. But the answer is yes. It it forces you to see things in a different way. And now thinking, like going to museums with him when he was very young, you know, we we might take advantage of of looking at an Impressionist painting for the first time, but seeing it through the eyes of a three-year-old in a stroller totally changes the way you take something in. And not that he understood the brushstrokes or the whole backstory of the Impressionist or anything. He just appreciated the art for what it was, you know, to him. And seeing something with that freshness, without having the 20 plus years of, of your experience on top of it, lends you to appreciate it in a new way. Totally different take on this. I don't know if you've ever watched the television sitcom community from 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, I have. I just actually recently got into it. What a fun show.
1: Yeah. It's a great show. And I loved it when it first aired, but he was too young to watch it then. So we are watching it together now from the beginning and, and something simple and easily accessible on Netflix, just watching it through his eyes, and all of the the uh, pop culture references that it makes, you know, discussing them with him, and then going back if they talked about, you know, Ovid makes a joke about a Martin Scorsese film, then, then we can pause and talk about Martin Scorsese, and then we can go back and watch a Scorsese film together, you know, Goodfellas, the next day, so always looking at things through new eyes is, is you know, through someone else's eyes and someone else's experience. It's convenient when they're in the same house as you so you can discuss it too.
0: That's great perspective. And it's, it's so interesting to hear how things change, you know, when you are getting the opportunity to experience them through somebody else's eyes or with somebody who might also not share your opinion mm-hmm. <laughs> and and get to really explore that a little bit. So yeah,
1: Definitely. And while my son has seen many of the shows that I've worked on in the last three years, there are some that he has expressed absolutely no interest in at all once I've told him about it. And I did a very strange show at the DC Fringe Festival last year as an actor. It was a show called Inferno, which was a modern take on Dante's Inferno as a musical. It's not for everybody. It, It won like some Best of Fringe audience awards. But I, I didn't think that that was something. I told him about it, and he said, no, I'm not interested in something that weird at all. And, and he did not see it, but that's okay.
0: It is okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and is he in, interested in being involved? Is he involved in the arts himself, or does he just in, enjoy experiencing it, or what,
1: what um, is he like? He is a very talented drummer. He's, I'm, I'm so jealous. Of, I, that's the one thing I never took lessons in, so I don't really know how to play drums. I can fake my way through it. But he is really, really good and takes lessons. And we've started the FaceTime lessons uh, during this time with his teacher since he can't do it um, in person. But, yeah, so he, he has some musical ability. He does not like performing in front of people, though. He's finishing up his sophomore year in high school. He does stage crew. And he has designed some lighting grids for one of the shows at his school. But he has no desire to act or to you know, be in marching band or anything like that. And as long as he's enjoying himself playing uh, drums, I want him to keep playing drums, but it's not something that we force, nor do we expect him to to do anything just because we tell him he has to.
0: Yeah. Well, he's forging his own path. Yeah.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you. That was so interesting to hear about your life's trajectory and also the different, really unique experiences that you've had and and the ways that they've helped you grow and adapt as an artist. And so thank you for sharing about that. That is really neat
1: well, um, you what for, you've been able to do. You're <laughs> very welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. Well, if it's okay with you, I always like to ask my guests a couple of questions as completely subjective, just about your views on a couple of things related to art. Is that okay? Sure. Great. Okay. So the first thing is, how do you personally define art or what is art to you?
1: That's not an easy question. I it personally is not. Yeah, <laughs> I define art as anything that can enhance an emotion. I can go outside and I can see, you know, a turtle on my back deck who somehow found its way, you know, up up the stairs to onto the porch. And I, I find beauty in that. And therefore, that is art. To me, it elicits an emotion when it happens. Some people say that's where they see God in the world. And I, I, I think in some ways, God and art are synonymous.
0: Yeah, I love that answer. That's a pretty unique approach to it that I've heard so far. And I, I like that perspective a lot. Thank you for that. So the second question I have is, what do you think is the most important role of an artist?
1: The most important role of an artist is, is to bring out that emotion. This is going to sound really cheesy, but the biggest compliment I, I, the happiest I've ever been after getting a compliment after a show was when I was music directing Rock of Ages, which is a very silly show. 1980s rock music. The band again is on stage the whole time, just as in Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. The show doesn't have much of a point, though. But if you had seen the show on Broadway, you might have had a fantastic time. If you had seen the show at, at the Workhouse, we made it look like a real bar, and it was a small, intimate space. The band was right in the audience's face, and yes, we were very well rehearsed and we knew our parts. But we played from the heart. We didn't necessarily play every single note exactly as written. It was not slick. And so that's what someone said to me after the show. That moved me so much because that band was was reacting to the crowd and reacting to the actors on stage. We weren't just playing, you know, a, it didn't sound like a recording to them. And that is what an artist is supposed to do. We're supposed to elicit an emotion. And even if it's, you know, playing an REO Speedwagon song, if it works, it works.
0: Perfect. Okay. And then my final question is, and I'll explain my terms a little bit, but do you think that art should be inclusive or exclusive? And what I mean by that is inclusive referring to an artist who shares a little bit about their work with whoever their audience is. So if that's a dancer, perhaps a they share what inspired the choreography or if that's a painter, maybe it's a title or a brief description versus exclusive kind of referring to the artist puts their work out there and then leaves it open to interpretation.
1: I think art is always open to interpretation. However, I think that art should be inclusive. I don't think the point of an artist is to say only a few people can get this. If you don't understand what I'm doing, You are not a smart person. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. I I think that art should be made for everybody. Having said that, having participated in that reading of uh, The Duchess of Malfi, I'm not sure if you could put a production of The Duchess of Malfi on stage right now and expect someone who knows nothing about Jacobian-era language to understand every single moment of it. So you have to figure out a way to make that accessible to anyone who might show up. So it is yeah. on the the artist's shoulders to, yes, allow for some interpretation of their art, but also to to make it accessible to those who may not understand 100% of it. Or Perfect. like pausing community when I'm watching it with my son to explain the cultural references.
0: Yeah, because it enriches the experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, otherwise, it would just go flying over and, you know, mm-hmm. not be... a point of education and, and conversation. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Love it. Well, thank you again so very much, David, for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I am very passionate about art and about sharing it. And I'm very grateful for people like you who do take what they have and what they've developed, their different skill sets over the years, and then they do share that with the world and they give back. And I think when you choose to do that, you truly make the world a better, more beautiful place. So on behalf of myself, thank you for sharing art with the world. I know I
1: appreciate it. And Thank you, Lindsay, for bringing it to people's attention. This is a a great forum. So thank you again for having me on.
0: Of course, and if people want to stay in touch with you, maybe find out about some of your upcoming productions, whether they're, you know, in person or Mm -hmm. online, is there a way for them to do that?
1: The the best way is just uh, follow me on Facebook, just uh, my name, David Weinrob. I don't have any other social media outlets right now.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you again, David, for being here. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us again. And if you're feeling as inspired as I am right now, I would love for you to share this episode with a friend or two, and I will catch you next time. If you have a story to share with us, we would love that so much. And I hope your day has been artfully told. Hey there, Artfully Told listeners. I wanted to share a really amazing resource with you that I think you will find invaluable. This website is called Artist's Edge. The mission of Artist Edge is to raise the level of business intelligence, life skills, and emotional intelligence for people who are committed to expressing their passions, creativity, and unique genius through their careers, helping them reach higher levels of success with ease. Artist Edge is the education arm of Deborah Russell Coaching, and she is an awesome Person who uses all of her business background and skills to really assist artists become who they want to be. She has a bunch of different product courses that you can go through as well as personalized coaching. If you're a wannabe artist that wants to turn their passion into a career or is an already established artist that wants to take their career to the next level, she is the person to talk to you about this. So please follow the link in my comments and show notes.